The Bible Study Podcast, episode 536. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel 16. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We pick up the story. This is going to be the middle portion of the story of the revolt of Absalom. We did the beginning of it last week, all the preparations that Absalom did ahead of time to revolt against his father, David. Before that, we talked a little bit about what might have caused Absalom to revolt in his difficult relationship with his father, at least after the rape of his sister, not by David, but by one of David's other sons. And then next week, we're going to conclude this, but this is kind of this middle portion here. Now, remember, at this point, David is gone back into the wilderness, and he doesn't know for how long. He has spent time in the wilderness before running from Saul, and we're back there again. Again, David is on the run, and again, he doesn't know for how long. But he did do some things before he left Jerusalem to set up his return, which was to try and arrange that Absalom would get some bad advice. He left some people in place to give him bad advice and also prayed to God that this other counselor who was going over to Absalom would give him bad advice. So remember that when we get to the third part of today's story. The first part is David and Ziba. When David had gone a short distance beyond the summit, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, a 100 cakes of raisins, a 100 cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, where have we brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and the fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who become exhausted in the wilderness. The king then asked, where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, he is staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today... The Israelites will restore to me my grandfather's kingdom. Then the king said to Ziba, All that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow, Ziba said. May I find favor in your eyes, my lord the king. Now, if you don't remember Mephibosheth, you certainly then probably didn't have to pronounce him like I did, but this is a grandson of Saul through his son Jonathan, who was a close brother to David. And after David becomes king, he says, is there no one in Jonathan's household that I can show favor to in response to the love that Jonathan showed to me? And he finds Mephibosheth, who is lame. He was dropped when he was a baby. He was dropped when he was a baby because they were fleeing because David was winning a victory, as I recall. And he told Ziba to take care of Mephibosheth and that he always had a place at his table. Well, this is how Mephibosheth is repaying David. He is basically siding with Absalom. And so at this point, the king turns to the steward, Ziba, and says, all his stuff is now yours because you have shown faithfulness to me where Mephibosheth has not. Mephibosheth is betting on Absalom and not on David. As we'll see next week, not the best bet. Shammai curses David. As King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shammai, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. 
As he cursed, Shammai said, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then Abishai, son of Zuriah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king said, What does this have to do with you? you sons of Zariah. If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and his officials, my son, my own flesh and my blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. So David and his men continued along the road while Shammai was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. It's an odd little story in here, and one that would be easy to skip over because you can read this whole account of Absalom and take this out and not feel like you're losing much. But it's interesting to see something of the character of David. David is not a vengeful person, as we saw with Mephibosheth, although that wasn't repaid well, according to the first part of this. But also, as we see this, he understands why this is happening. Remember, the prophet Nathan told him there was going to be consequences for his sin with Bathsheba. And he understands that he has brought this on himself. He understands that he had the covenant blessing of God and it has turned to a curse because of his actions. And so as this person comes out in his cursing him, he doesn't know that this isn't God telling Abishai to curse him. And so he says, leave him alone. Let him be. What do his curses hurt? Obviously, we want to avoid the rocks, but what do his curses hurt? My son is trying to kill me. Really, do you think this is a big deal? David shows a great ability here to put things in perspective. It's something that we ought to strive for is that kind of perspective that that takes this and puts it in the situation and says, is this a big deal? Is this something I need to worry about? Is this something I need to get bent out of shape about of the curses of this man who's calling me a murderer? But of course, David knows that that's true. Continues on the advice of Ahithophel and Hushai. Meanwhile, Absalom and all his men of Israel came to Jerusalem and Ahithophel was with him. Then Hushai the archite, David's confidant, went to Absalom and said to him, Long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said to Hushai, So this is the love you show your friend. If he's your friend, why don't you go with him? Hushai said to Absalom, Know the one chosen by the Lord, by these people, and by all the men of Israel, his I will be, and I will remain with him. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the son? Just as I served your father, so I will serve you. Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give us your advice. What should we do? Ahithophel answered, Sleep with your father's concubines, whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all of Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father, and the hands of everyone with you will be more resolute. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and he slept with his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. Now in those days, the advice Ahithophel gave was like that of the one who inquires of God. That was how both David and Absalom regarded all of Ahithophel's advice. 
I want to go back here to what the prophet Nathan said to David in 2 Samuel 12. After he confronted David that he had killed Uriah, he said, You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah to be your own. This is what the Lord says, Out of your household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. This wasn't necessarily something that Ahithophel knew, but his advice And the actions of Absalom basically are completing the prophecies that Nathan had. This is what God said would happen because of David's actions. Now remember, though, there are two different advisors, both Ahithophel and Hushai, who are here giving advice to Absalom. We don't see it in this chapter, but we're going to see it in next chapter, because Hushai was the one that David left behind to give him bad advice. Be careful who you keep around you and the advice that you get because it can lead you to success or it can lead you to ruin. Especially if you are a leader, you want to gather around yourself people who are smarter than you. I remember that one of the leaders that I had, one of the presidents of the company that I went to, said he wanted to be the dumbest person in the company. He wanted everyone to hire people smarter than them. And a lot of people don't want to do that because they're afraid that they'll lose their job to that person, but it's best for the company. In this case, it's best for the country. You want your leaders to choose wise counsel. And next week, Absalom is going to get some unwise counsel and we'll see what happens. But with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at the Bible Study Podcast. And thanks so much for listening. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.